sure. If you're going to quit your job, you really don't want to. I mean, it has to be bad to just walk out the job. Like, we like to have another job lined up before we quit our job. If you're going to switch internet providers, you know, you want to do a little research and hopefully, I want to make an improvement before I just go switch internet providers. Uh, airport employees deal with a lot of aggravated people on a regular basis who bought lines intending bringing suitcases and children and going through metal detectors to go to a place and you planned on being there at that certain time and then they say, you're delayed, you're delayed, you're delayed, you're canceled. People are not typically like, hey, you know what, I appreciate all you guys do. Thanks a lot for letting me know. People are usually a little bit agitated because they had expected to be somewhere at a specific time. College students often try to find degree programs where they know, upon graduation, I hope I'll have a job. I doubt that a counselor says, well, if you go into this line of work, you're almost guaranteed to not have a job upon graduation. Students are not going to be like, yeah, I'll sign up for that one. If I purchase a new computer or printer out of the box, I get very aggravated when something doesn't work. It's supposed to work. It's brand new. And so then I stopped buying PCs, and then I went to Mac, and, and now things work. And so I like to just slip that in every once in a while, make sure you're paying attention. Single people don't like to ask someone out on a date without... You know, oh, I want to make sure that they might even, there's got to be a possibility they'll say yes before I just throw myself out there. You know, we, we get nervous. We like things certain. And that's why 2020, you know, it's, it, it's elevated everyone's stress level just a bit. It's not just the virus. The virus is real. It's, it can be dangerous, of course. But it's not just the virus. Then you add in the uncertainty of everything. How many of you, I want to ask this question. I love interactive messages. That way you don't fall asleep either. Who here started going to school? Grade school, middle school, elementary school, high school, junior college, college, university, doctorate, master's, anything. You started going to school. You're teaching classes. Some of you are teachers. Taking classes. And your classes were canceled at some point because of COVID. Raise your hand. Anyone have any can? Okay, you don't have to be afraid. You can just raise that hand up. Let everybody see it. If you've had a, ca a class cancel at some point. Okay, so we have a few right here, a few back there, a few over there. How many of you had a vacation changed or canceled because of COVID? Oh, wow. That's more than the classes. I'm a little surprised by that. How many of you had holiday plans, either Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Thanksgiving, changed because of COVID? We had a Memorial Day picnic, everyone. Every hand should be up for this. <clears throat> How many of you didn't, did not get to attend a wedding or a funeral of someone you love because of COVID? How about the landscape of your professional employment? It changed. Either you lost your job, your pay was cut, or you even were forced to work from home. Raise your hand. <laughs> The people that were saying we're forced don't have young toddlers running around. and They're like, this is great. And other people are like, can I come to the office, please? Please. I'll clean it when I'm done. How many of you ever had a, your first ever full church retreat canceled because of COVID? No, no. Whether you realize it or not, your stress level rises with uncertainty. Some personality types do better 
being flexible than others, unmarried to one. But for the most part, humanity likes a certain predictability to life's situations. Certainly, we don't want to live and do and eat the exact same thing every day. I know some of you do that. I, most people can't. But we don't want to just do and wear the same clothes and eat the same things and do the same thing. We don't, but we don't like too many surprises, things we didn't see coming, things that mess up our plans, things we cannot control. And some of these things are exactly why some people can struggle with living for God. This morning, I want to preach on this topic for just a little bit here. Who knows? Who knows? Hey, guys, what do you think is going to happen for Christmas? Who knows? We having service next Sunday? <laughs> Who knows? We're planning on it. Hey, when's the vaccine come out? <laughs> Who knows? How long is COVID going to be around for? Who knows? So how do we live life when we like some degree of certainty and it seems like everything around us is uncertain? A lot of people get angry with God because there's not always the certainty they would like. God, I have been living for you for this many years. And I thought by now I would have had this. I thought I would have been further along. I thought I would have been there living this way, had this. I didn't think I would, my family member would get sick. Lord, my career took a turn I didn't expect. My health deteriorated. I lost someone I loved. I expected my ministry to be more powerful and fulfilling by now. Anytime I counsel someone in marriage, pre-marriage or, or during marriage. I almost said post-marriage. That didn't sound right. Pre-marriage or... We do need counseling post-marriage sometimes, but I'm t I'm, that's, not my, that's not usually where I come in all the time. But I always will tell people, one of the greatest causes of conflict in any marriage, in any relationship, is unmet expectation. People get married and they're like, I expected you to take the garbage out. My dad always took the garbage out growing up. I expected you to have dinner. I expected you to do this. I expected you to mow the grass. I expected... And these expectations sometimes, we just go into a marriage like, oh, I do, I do, I do, I do. We get married, we're like, whoa, you want me to cut the grass? <laughs> it's good to discuss these things up front. We can get frustrated with God because guess what? We, there's tension that comes in our relationship with God because of unmet expectations. I expected when I came to this church, God would do this. I expected when I dropped money in the offering plate, God would do this. I expected when I made a pledge, God would do this. I expected when I came to the altar, Brother Foster talked about being born again. I expect when I got born again that things would have looked different. And so there's expectations we bring to God. So sometimes we're like, God, I just wish you'd show me what's up, Lord. I mean, after all, Lord, I am in Missouri, the show me state. So show me, God. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith puts confidence in the creator, not in the hope of the upcoming day, week, or year, that it'll just simply work out for my favor. 
I have faith in Monday that's just going to work out. My faith isn't in Monday. My faith is not in, in, in elections. My faith is not in the, the economy. My faith is, is, is it's not. It's, my faith is in the fact that I serve the God who says I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the ending. Faith helps us remain strong and resolute that even when things don't go the way we had hoped they would go, I still trust God. I know that he has all things under control. But when I like to have control and I feel out of control, my stress level rises. And really, when we have fear, it's the absence of the faith in God. The difficult thing is that when we put our faith in God, you ready for this? Times are still just as uncertain for us as they are for an unbeliever. I know theologically, I'm messing with some of your theology right now. You're like, times are just as uncertain for you as they are for any atheist, unbeliever, someone who does not claim to know God. The difference between being that I have a place in where to put my trust. I know that times are uncertain. My times are not any different from an unbeliever's times today. I have as many answers about COVID as they have. The difference is I put my faith in the person who says, I was at the beginning, I'll be at the end, and I know everything in between. I personally don't know everything in between. But I trust the one who does. So even when I'm just as uncertain as an unbeliever, somebody who, who says, I don't know Jesus, I don't acknowledge Jesus, my, my life is just as uncertain as that in my present moment. But I know I walk with the God who knows and sees all. And so faith is what, it's not what you can see all the time. It's not what you can measure. Look at the story of David's best friend in the Old Testament. King Saul's son, his name is Jonathan. Jonathan is just, he's, he's, he's David's buddy. But 1 Samuel 14 tells us a story. One day, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines are and, ha and have their where, where they have their outposts. And he says, but Jonathan did not tell his father what he's doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate tree at Megron. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who had served at Shiloh. No one realized Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. He didn't take a big group. He has him and his armor bearer. There's two guys. He says, hey, let's go down to the Philistine camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sina, and the cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Geba. So he's painting his picture. And Jonathan says in verse 6, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. He ate his Wheaties that day. I mean, he's ready. 
And he says to his armor bearer, he says to his armor bearer, I mean, could you imagine this? Luke, you want to help me? I'll stay six feet from you. Just come over here. You know, what's about six feet? You know, what's about six feet? Okay, that's good. Okay. So he says, I mean, he's just got his armor bearer. He says, hey, man, 600 people back there. My dad doesn't want me to go, but you're my armor bearer. He said, man, look, check out those pagans. Check out those Philistines. What do you, man, let's, let's just go. We say we go, man. Let's just, let's just go. We can take them. <laughs> and so they literally just start climbing over, climbing over the rocks. Heading to the, the, you ready for this, Luke? So they start climbing over the rocks. Come on. They're like, let's go. We can do this. I'm trying to keep six feet away from everybody. And so they just start climbing the rocks. And they're coming down. And they're like, I think we can do it. But here's what I got for you, armor bearer. So here's what my plan is. Perhaps the Lord will help us. <laughs> He's a good man. He's been with me through thick and thin. He's my armor bearer. Nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle with a few warriors just like he could a whole bunch. Perhaps he'll help us. Let's go. If you're the armor bearer, are you ready to go at that moment? I'm like, man, David or Jonathan, I love you, and I've been with you a long time, and I trust you, but dude, we're outnumbered at least, at least, because 200 end up dying, so there might have been more, at least 200 to 2. I don't like those odds. Do you know this scripture? I mean, wouldn't you be like, hey, so did God speak to you? <laughs> did, an, did an angel show up? Which angel was it? It wasn't Lucifer, was it? <laughs> I mean, did an angel show up? Who, who told you to go? No, 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 here's my plan. Perhaps... God will help us. Let's go. I don't know about you, but I'd have been like, well, you know what? Just shoot me a text when God does speak to you. In the meantime, I'm going to go get some custard or something. Just holler at me when you know what's up, and I will be there. But if we're going to go take on 200 to 2, I just want a little more than Perhaps. Thanks. And so, then, I mean, like, Jonathan is just, he's, he's like, we could, we could take it. This is an amazing story. God didn't appear to Jonathan, though. An angel didn't appear to him. Not, neither of them had any clue what was going to happen. Luke literally does not have an idea. My armor bearer has no clue what he's walking into, and neither do I. Uncertain. I just said, you know what? I am sick of getting pushed around by the pagans. They're sitting there under a tree, the rest of God's army. And you know what? Guess what? There was 200 he killed there. He had 600 in God's army. Couldn't God's army have just gone down there and taken them like that? How often 
are the how, how often is the mighty army of God relaxing under a tree when the enemy's just over the rocky cliff and you actually outnumber them and have more power than they do, but you're not willing to, to, to climb the rocks to say, I'm going to go take on the battle. Jonathan says, I'm sick and tired of the pagans pushing us around. I'm sick and tired of the enemy doing what they're doing. I'm leaving because I know how, how sad is that, that he has to sneak away because he knows that his dad and the leadership of Israel at that time wouldn't let him take on that battle. How far their faith had dwindled that they themselves wouldn't even go and they certainly weren't going to let him go. And Jonathan just looks at his armor bearer and something comes over him that says, enough, I'm sick and tired of this. Let's go over that mountain, over that cliff, that rocky canyon, whatever it is, and let's get in there and let's just give God a chance to do something. Perhaps the Lord will help me. Jonathan was sick of it. But having faith in God does not remove uncertainty. It just gives us someone to place our trust in, knowing that either way, this world is not my permanent resting place. Jonathan was, there's no doubt, Jonathan was ready to die that day if it came to that. He's like, Let's go. We're going to go down swinging. Let's go. And perhaps God will help us. You know what I want to start seeing more of around Refuge Church? I want to see people with vision for the mission. People who are not afraid. We say, well, we need to try this, in that it sounds preposterous at times and crazy. That logic occasionally, oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, that occasionally logic goes out the window. That occasionally, see, you know what? Faith and logic sometimes don't live at the same address. That somebody just says, I'm just sick and tired of the same old stuff. They had been going with the Philistines now for so long that Jonathan just says, come on, armor bearer, let's go and let's just perhaps God will be with us. I want some of that around our church, that people who are not afraid, who share their vision with a fellow church member, and they, you know what, they, that, that, that people they know, they say, hey, I'll go with you. We'll step onto an unknown path. You're going to randomly start a Bible study two weeks from now? Cool, I'll invite my friends, and you can do it at my house. You're going to host a small group and invite your neighbors to a discussion? I'm going to invite my friends. Let's meet at your house. You're going to start an online Bible study? Well, neither one of us have ever done that, but let me invite my friends too and, and we'll just jump on Zoom and we're going to make it happen. But that sounds crazy. I mean, like, you don't know what's going to happen. That's uncertain. You might go to work and ask, ask somebody, hey, man, tune into this Bible study. And, and you don't know what's going to happen. And that's nerve-wracking because what if you lose your job? Or what if they're not interested? Or what if you face persecution? Or what if I go back to school and I start a P7 club and nobody comes? And there's just so much uncertainty. We don't like that. We like certainty. We like knowing. Uh, when we made our pledge, I wanted to have my check register. I wanted it to all line out. When my wife and made out, when I made our pledge, we had no clue. We had a clue where we were hoping it was going to come from. 
but you stretched and you stepped out, and so many of you did the same exact thing. And look at the hands that went up this morning. Because at the end of the day, perhaps the Lord will help us. After all, we are trying to do his work. He is going to be prone to help out. They were willing to die out there that day. But one last story as I, this will be the last thing I talk about is, is we see the same thing in Queen Esther. When the king of Persia gave a banquet for key leaders, his wife, Queen, Va Queen Vashti, refused to show off her beauty. So King Xerxes got rid of her, searched for a new queen. Esther was chosen. Esther was raised by her cousin Mordecai. Mordecai then became a palace official. The king's highest official was a man named Haman. And Haman hated Mordecai because Mordecai would not bow down to him. He would only bow down to God. And Haman said, I, I hate that man. I hate. And so he said, you know what? We got to figure out. He comes up with a plot to kill all the Jewish people in the nation. All, the, all of them. He says, we're going to take them all down. We're going to kill them all. Well, Mordecai hears about it, and he comes and tells Esther, Esther, you know what? I know I, we don't, I, the king might not even know you're Jewish. You're in here. You think you're living in the palace. Things are going smooth. But I want you to know, Mordecai, her cousin, says, Esther, you're going to die too. All the Jews, the, the, the edict has been put out, and, 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 and it looks bad. He rallies the Jewish people to begin to pray and fast. And Esther is in a conundrum because she's enjoying the palace life as best as she can, I guess. But now there's an edict out that the, her people, her cousin, all the people she loves, her family, people that are remaining, they, they're going to be killed. So the only thing is to go before the king. But the king, you, 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 in that day, you couldn't, you couldn't come before the king unless you were invited. And so she's like, uh, Mordecai, and she tried to explain, you know, the, you know the way things roll around here? I can't go to the king unless he calls for me. If I go in there and he doesn't extend his scepter, I'm dead, and what good is that going to do? Maybe she was just trying to justify herself. So I can't solve it. She reminds her cousin in Esther 4.13, Mordecai sent the reply, and he says, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you're going to escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, just stop there and stop thinking about Esther for a second and ask yourself that exact same question because Jesus Christ is coming back soon for his church. And so I pose you that same question. If you keep quiet at such a time like this, Dot, dot, dot. Just think. Right now, what is going to happen to our world, our community, our church, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, if you keep quiet at such a time like this? And he goes on and he says, deliverance and for, he says, at such a time like this, he said, uh, if you keep quiet, he says, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. He literally felt, I got so much confidence in God that if you don't do it, we'll find someone else. And I still believe that in 2020, that if his church, if we don't step up, God will find someone else. Because his mission is bigger than the individual. There is going to be a great end time revival. It's just a matter of, will we be a part of it? I want to be a part of it. 
And so really, that's an invitation. He says, so, he says, you and your relatives will die. But he says, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time like this. Then Esther sent the reply to Mordecai, go and gather the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Don't drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go see the king. And if I must die, I must die. Pretty interesting. It's almost the same type of story, isn't it? God, God didn't speak to Esther. God didn't speak to Mordecai. Show me a passage where it says, and the Lord showed up, and the angel came and brought the message down. It is not there. Mordecai says, hey, I know you're getting ready to risk your life, and here's what I have for you. Who knows what might happen? Cousin Mordecai, you've raised me. You've taught me a lot of good things. This is all you got for me? Esther, go on in there. You might save a whole nation. Who knows what's going to happen? Notice what comes next. Perhaps God's got you there for such a time as this. Come on, armor bearer, let's go. Perhaps God will work on our behalf. Esther, you need to go in there. I know you're risking it all. I know you're risking your, your life, your future, everything. But who knows? Perhaps God's got you here right now for this very purpose. Who knows? Perhaps God has you in your school for this very purpose. Who knows? Perhaps you're working at a job right now with people, some of them are probably driving you crazy. Who knows? Perhaps you're there for such a time as this. Yeah, I know. I'm pastor. I'm just waiting for God to open the door. I'm just waiting for God to speak to me. Jonathan and his armor bearer, if they would have said, well, I'm just waiting for God to open the door. Sometimes you just need to start climbing the cliffs. And go to where the enemy is and say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of living the same old way. Let's see what God will do. Fixing to pick a fight. I'm going to see what God will do. And Esther says, just like Jonathan is an armor bearer, I said, there's no doubt in my mind that they were willing to die that day on that battlefield. Esther says, it verbatim, she says, well, here goes nothing. Notice she did not walk into anything without a time of prayer and fasting, though. So if God's opening a door... And, and you feel something, oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to start an online Bible study. Start it with prayer and fasting. And then she says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. And if I die, then I die. But I refuse to sit around and let other people die. Let that sink in, church. Let that sink in. Could it be that we're not doing more because we don't have a burden for those around us? 
Because for Esther, there was danger. Her life was on the line. It was uncertain. But when she looked around and counted the cost, she said, I can't stay in the palace of the king and enjoy myself when everyone else is going to die. I have to do whatever I need to do to go in before the king and just see, perhaps, who knows if I'm here for this very moment. And she had such a burden for her people that she said, and if I die in the process, then I die in the process. I will embrace uncertainty to be the person that God has called me to be. What are we doing right now in uncertain times? Your own situation's uncertain. So we're just waiting for somebody to say, God spoke, thus saith the Lord. We don't know. I honestly don't have a clue what God's doing right now. I'm not sure. I don't know why COVID's sticking around. I don't know why good people have died. I don't know. And we want someone to know. We want someone to bring a word for the Lord from the Lord. And so our, our stress and our anxiety level, it's rising as we're trying to figure out, what are we supposed to be doing right now? Do you know how many other, if you're feeling that way, how many people in your world are feeling like that? Like that? God has put you in this uncertain season, at this uncertain time, and he's laying a burden on some of your hearts for people who are going to die, for people who do not know Jesus, who do not love him and serve him and care about him. And he's putting you in workplaces and schools and communities and functions and sports teams, and he's doing these things, and he's saying, hey, perhaps... What I'm saying is like Mordecai is saying, perhaps, who knows, you are here for such a time as this. Mordecai tells Esther, who knows, and she basically says, here goes nothing. I'm just wondering if we would work with somebody this week and we'd go into a time of prayer and fasting for for their soul, for their life, for their family, their situation. And we'd walk into work, prayed and fasted. And we'd see our coworker and say, here goes nothing. Here goes nothing. Hey, I know that you've been sick for quite some time and I've been praying for you a lot lately. I just feel like God, man, God's power. If you're not comfortable, I understand, but if you're, if you're, I'd love to just say a prayer quick with you. I mean, do we believe that God can miraculously heal a body while you're clocked in at a job? Do we believe this stuff? Do we go to somebody and say, hey, you know, I'm going to be starting this online study. A lot of people are just uncertain. We're living uncertain times, and the Bible brings such clarity to, to our lives, maybe not our current situation but to eternity, and, and I'm going to get together with a group of people online, and, and I know we've talked. I want to invite you to join us. Is that something you'd ever consider? You want me to send you the link? Oh, that's nerve-wracking. It's uncertain. But you might be there. Who knows what you're going to bring to someone's life? Perhaps you are living in this very moment, working that exact job, going to that exact school, 
And God has you right where you are for such a time as this. Because when God's people have a burden like Esther had, it will cause them to look beyond themselves. And they will begin to, to think about the people, the people around them, the people in the city, the people like she did. And get to the, get to the, get to, to the place where we say, I, I got I to gotta do something. I can't just sit back and enjoy the palace in the presence of the king. You know what we're doing here? This is important. It's vital. But today we're, we're sitting back in the presence and, and, and enjoying the presence of the king. But I want to have a burden this morning to leave this place. And to think about people who might be dying in my community. I want to get out there and I want to begin to say, hey, I know things are uncertain, but I want to pray with you. I want to invite you. I want to teach about us. I want to get out together online. Let's get our families. Let's grab dinner. Whatever, whatever your level of relationship is. But, but I just, if you're waiting for something to always be certain, sometimes it's just, it's just time for the church to start to climb over the rocks and to go find what it is that, what it is I can do for you, God. I don't want to just sit in the safety behind the rock or in the kingdom. Sometimes it's time for me to just, I, I got to get out and I, I got to go do something. I, I got a burden. And this burden won't allow me to just sit here anymore. This burden is calling me to rise up and to do whatever it is I need to do. But action can be the hardest there's risk involved. There always is. Look what Jesus says to his disciples, and I'm almost done. Matthew 16, 24, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall save it. For what is a man profited? Because no doubt he was dealing with people who were trying to go, I'm waiting for somebody to set up a kingdom, and, and I really care about this, this life, and, and, and let me go kiss my relatives goodbye. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 come on with me. If you are being called and you're going forward and you try to look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. I mean, he was all about, like, we got to press on. Let's get going. And, and, and no doubt that even the disciples were fighting with, like, uh, eternity, but yet I'm still really consumed with things here, but yet eternity, but consumed with things here. And he looks at him and he says, hey, just like Esther and just like Jonathan, just like these people, if you want to do something great, you can't just hold on to the earthly things. He says, you know what, when you, when you reach a level of power in me, when you're ready to say, you know what, if, if, if I'm ready to lose my life for you, God, whatever it is that you want to do, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. What a level of commitment. I mean, that's almost scary. But he says, well, why, why, why is it scary? And he says, what does it profit? What does it profit if you gain this whole world and everything you can see? What does it profit if you gain all of that and you lose your soul? He wanted people with an eternal focus. Just like that principle of Esther. For Esther, she was blessed. She went into the king. He extended the scepter. The people were saved. For Jonathan and his armor bearer, they were blessed. They went over there. They killed at least 200 people or something that day. They were delivered. They, died. they didn't die, at least not on that day. For the disciples, it wasn't so. It worked out well for Esther. It worked out well for Jonathan. The disciples, every single one of them, with the exception of John, who they tried to kill, then put him on the island of Patmos. 
They were all martyred. They were all murdered for the cause of Christ. Filleted alive, beat to death with a club, beheaded, filleted, uh, uh, dragged to death, speared, said to have been crucified upside down. That, that's the price they paid. Are we all that serious? I mean, do we, do we believe in this message enough in the hope of eternity that we're willing to die for it? It's heavy. It's heavy. Do you believe this enough to be willing to die for it? Because I think that's sometimes the thing that holds us back from seeing the things they saw. When Esther says, I got such a burden, I'm taking a step. I cannot sit by and let all these people die. And if I die in the process, then so be it. Jonathan says, I'm sick and tired of the enemy just taking care of things. We're running and hiding it. I'm, I'm sick of it. Come on, armor bearer. Let's go, and perhaps God will be with us. If not, I'm going to die on the battlefield because I'm willing to do something that even if it causes me my life, I'm sick of just the, I'm sick of just the ordinary. I'm sick of the things we've gotten used to and been become accustomed to. I mean, if we're not at this place, if we say, eh, I, don't, I just don't know. Where's your home? Is it this world or is it eternity? Because the Bible says straight as the gate narrows the way and few there be that find it. I, I'm like, man, what, what makes me one of the few? It's not a question about worrying about my salvation. But it's me looking at myself saying, I want to search my soul and make sure my priorities are straight. God, whatever it takes, I love this message. I love you. I love the cross. I love new birth. I love what everything that I stand for that I see in the word. And if I need to die for it, then so be it. But we're not going to die for it in that day if we're unwilling to just go into uncertain times today. There's no way that you give your life for it in the last days if today we won't walk into an uncertain situation. And so we look at these two stories. Jonathan is armor bearer, story of Queen Esther. Two stories. People facing life and death. No games, no jokes, no small thing. No promises of life. No promises of deliverance. It was to stay quiet and safe or to step out in faith. We love faith stories in the Bible. Like Peter walked on water, Noah built the ark, Abraham left his home. Like I just love faith stories. Jericho falls. Some of those stories, God said this is what's going to happen. A whole bunch of other stories in the Bible, he don't give them the end of the story. They literally just step out and like, here we go. Here goes nothing. 
Are you a believer that needs the end of the story? Have we gotten into the circumstances of Esther and 1 Samuel, but we just didn't get to chapter 4 or chapter 14? When is the last time, and I invite you to stand to your feet today. When is the last time, please think, when is the last time that you stepped out in faith? When's the last time oh, I stepped out in faith financially? For some of you at the campaign, that was it. Look what God did. When's the last time you stepped out in faith and invited someone to church and stepped out and started a Bible study online or in person, stepped out and laid hands on the sick or stepped out and prayed for someone at your university or started that P7 club at your school? When's the last time that you stepped out where you're like, oh no, I'm away from the boat in the middle of a storm. It's uncertain and I'm, and I'm, re I'm beyond the reach of the boat and I am freaking out. When's the last time you stepped out in faith so much that your knees were knocking together and you're like, I am dead unless God intervenes here. Because if you can't remember the last time, then how is he ever going to perform the miraculous in your life? How is God going to rewrite the stories that we see in the Bible in your personal situation if you don't give him a chance? So all I got for you today is you leave this place, and, and if I could say it in the words of Jonathan, perhaps you're going to walk out of this and place and God might be with you. Or maybe Mordecai, who knows if perhaps when you leave, you're going to do something that is uncertain and scares you half to death. But God, just he might perhaps be in that situation. God might just show up and do exactly what you're hoping that he would do. Faith, though, it doesn't give you the end of the story. Faith doesn't make things easy. Faith doesn't remove the risk. Faith is just knowing that when I step out and, and for God, it's worth the risk. I'm always going to be willing to step out and say, God, I at least want to give you a chance to do a miracle. I don't know what might happen. I might fall on my face. I might get rejected, embarrassed, ashamed, whatever. But at least I can know, well, God, oh, Peter, I know he sunk. At least he gave God a chance to do a miracle. How many miracles are not happening in 2020? Because we are not giving God a chance church. I'm inviting you, if you feel comfortable, to come to the front, pray in your pew, wherever you, however you need to do it, where you feel distance enough from people. But I'm asking you to respond to the word today. I'm inviting you to say, God, help me this week. God, help me, Lord, to give you a chance. God, I know it might be uncertain. I know I might be in an uncertain time. I know that I don't know what to expect half the time. I, don't, I certainly don't know what tomorrow brings, but I know that you do. And so, God, I'm going to walk in faith and not by sight. God, I want to walk in that faith where it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, God. 
Lord, who in my life, like Queen Esther, I'm enjoying the presence of the king in the palace today. But I'm going to leave this place because i got a burden for someone. Who in my life right now, God, is desperately looking for hope and a word and, 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 some, and just to feel love and peace, God. God, open a door, Lord. Help me to, not just to sit back and say open the door, but me to go climb over the mountain and say I'm going to go find somebody. I'm going to go find someone where, God, I can just give them a chance to do something miraculous. That's the difference. That's what this has created for us, church. It's shifted something from, oh, let's sit in the church and wait for someone to come, to now let's go out and find someone where God can create an opportunity, where we can see an opportunity for God to do something miraculous. God, give us a burden. Who knows? You just might be a part of a miracle this week. Perhaps God's got you here for this very reason. Oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. Jesus.